I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. It's been a busy week. Pretty cool. Lots of amazing announcements, especially from BlizzCon and then just a lot of leaks in general from the gaming community. What you been thinking about that, Buck? All kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, Blizzard kind of redeemed themselves with all the announcements they had going down. That's for sure. Being a WoW fan, as well as even more so a Diablo fan, I did not anticipate Blizzard to come out swinging like they did, even though they needed to. They definitely did. I didn't expect, though. I expected, we all expected Diablo 4, let's be real, but the WoW expansion kind of came out of nowhere. Well, I, I think we thought they were definitely going to announce the next one, but we didn't think that they were going to try and rectify so many issues that they've caused for themselves, especially with BFA over the last uh, year and a half or so. I so, thought if they announced it, I thought it was going to be like a Metroid Prime 4 situation where you saw like a header and that was it. I didn't expect a lot of detail. Well, I think just due to, you know, the community backlash, just, just how bad a lot of the players have thought BFA was and how many of them have been unsubscribing, even though any any participating WoW player has come back for vanilla and kept their sub going, which is good <laughs> for Blizzard at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, I definitely see why they wanted to get it out uh, during their what a lot of fans have been arguing as their worst expansion, even worse than Draenor, which that's, I don't wow. agree with that. Oh, I haven't whatever. played this one, but Draenor, Draenor sucked. Yeah, Draenor uh, was no uh, great shakes, but I, de- I had more fun with BFA thus far. I thought they did some interesting things, but it definitely didn't keep me as invested as as Legion. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, was it the is it called Shadowkeep or am I forgetting what it's called off the top of my head? Shadowbringers. No, I'm pretty sure it is. It is Shadowkeep, right? I think something like that. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Maybe they're just yeah. They can't come up with anything creative now, so they're just that's the first thing I thought. I'm like they're copying off 14. Yeah, well, I mean, there's worse MMOs that they could be copying, but that's true. I, I mean, for my money, there's there's plenty of differences between them where they should they should easily both be able to exist and i think they appeal to similar gamers but there is especially like mechanics wise there's there's definitely enough difference there that if if you're looking for a particular thing there's an mmo for out for you out there right now so that's good uh but the, yeah they're interesting they're they're interesting they're introducing a lot of of interesting kind of like empowerment systems, which are not what's important. What's important is that they are undoing or claiming they're going to be undoing a lot of the character pruning that they've been doing over the course of like the last five expansions. And so they're bringing a lot of other skills back and going to, they're going to try and remove the, the spec identity from the classes and try to merge them together a little bit more, kind of like it does in vanilla, where if you're a warrior, you can use your arms, prot and fury abilities regardless because you didn't have to choose your spec back then. So they're not locking. They're going to do less locking out of skills depending upon what spec you choose. At least that's what they've said. Is it true that they're giving like a lot more abilities back? seemed like that's kind of what they at least yeah at. yeah that's what i meant with the 
uh, reverting the pruning. They will be giving yeah. a lot of the abilities back. And then on top of that, they're also doing a, a huge level squish. So yeah, um, one the to max, 50, isn't it? Yeah, 1 to 50, and then the expansion, you'll go up to 60. And the big goal there is to make each level seem like solid progression. Because for the longest time, especially in the last few expansions, without like the artifact weapons and things like that, you'd go like 20, 30 levels without getting a new ability, and that just feels bad. And it's boring. So this is nice that they're going to do that, and they're going to kind of retool the kits to fit into that kind of level progression. But another awesome thing for people who like alts, you, me, and most people, uh, you uh, when you start a new character, you can choose any of the previous expansions, and you can level 1 to 50 going through just one of them. So you don't have to go through the entire arc of the expansions to get up to max level ready for the the, the most recent expansion that's going to be coming out. You can that's just awesome. yeah, so that's going to be really quick to power up um, power up your alts as well as making it way less monotonous. You don't have to grind through all that content. You can kind of pick and choose different alts. You can do you know different regions, but it'll keep it fresh. And I think that's a huge bonus. I wish they would have done this a couple of expansions sooner, but... Because anymore, you couldn't have felt like... It's just too daunting to come on as a new player without, like, a, the leveling potion or token or whatever they call it. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to level up to 110, and then I'll do the new content. It's just... Even though you could level up, like, way quicker than you can in 14 in that game, it still felt like you're climbing freaking Everest to get oh, to for, new content. Oh, for sure. I mean, even though it's faster than... 14 i mean it still takes at least probably 100 plus hours i mean especially for a new player i mean obviously yeah, if you're you leveling don't have alts, all the guides and following yeah. the internet exactly right yeah it's gonna take a long time i i'm certainly one of those people who's more into just kind of the 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 adventure of it and i enjoy the leveling up process way more than you know i ever interact with the end game and i feel bad for people who you know get just kind of like it. Yeah, well, they have friends that are like, hey, you need to you need to play the game. The real game starts at the end, and then they rush through all that content that was actually, in my eyes, more enjoyable than, you know, running the raids or, you know, just rinse and repeating, like, Mythic Plus content, stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's good. It's good that they're doing a, a lot of those different kinds of things. Some of the, the allied races that they've been adding to the game, which have been, you know, great additions, they are opening up... Uh, uh, character classes uh, to those races. That way they have more options when they start the expansion. The extra character progression, I didn't I didn't read into that a whole lot, so I don't I don't have the the details there, but it does seem like once you hit that max level of sixty there will be um some definitely some interesting ways to maybe get some new abilities. They got a new covenant system where you join one of four covenants. Um that you you meet along the adventure, and then you choose which one you want to side with. Uh, those give you new abilities too. So it, it'll be interesting to see, and uh, it, it's it's pretty early. I'm sure they'll add some other things. That wasn't nearly as exciting as getting to see Diablo Four for the first time. And as a, a as a Diablo fan, and uh, let me just get it out of the way. I loved Diablo Two. I loved Diablo Three, even though it's considerably different. I had a hell of a time with it sunk probably well over a thousand hours into it overall so i think it became great in time i thought it did too but 
when you compare it to your, I don't necessarily want to say your your classic action RPGs, but there are huge differences between it, classic Diablo 2, and games like Path of Exile, where it, it feels almost too easy to, like, completely kit out your, your character, like, get all the items you want, and then at that point, it's just a grind to get Paragon levels and boost up your gems and your equipment. At that point, it's just a total grind. And it doesn't feel like you get that rewarding incremental growth or like a big boost in growth when you finally get, you know, that that long-awaited legendary weapon that you've been trying really hard to to hunt. Because that's the main draw of these types of games. Yeah, it's certainly not as satisfying because they kind of made it ran with the loop. When I mean, I didn't put, I put several hours, but not like a ton of time, not like you, not a ton of time into it. And I was pretty freaking like kitted out with a lot of legendary gear. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, you could you could play one character, get him up to level. Uh, I guess seventy was the max level level after Rebirth Souls came out. You could get there in probably five to ten hours really easily, even without rushing through. And uh, and it was it was easy to get all of the legendaries that you needed uh, for basically any type of build within the next you know ten twenty hours at most. And I mean, characters and and games like this are meant to be played, you know for hundreds of hours and, and to keep the player's attention doing that, you can't, you can't give hand them all the like candy, <laughs> right? You can't, you can't just hand it out right when they get to the front door and then just expect them. Oh, well now I have all this power. I'm just going to play the crap out of it because the rest of it is just very incremental growth. It's just a numbers game. And it, well, for me, it's not very interesting. Usually, at that well, the, point, the I, base I game stop. itself too was like super easy. I always felt I always felt overpowered. I'll say that going through it. Like I didn't play it on like hardcore permadeath or anything, but I played it casually, and I always felt overpowered all the time. Yeah, once you got into it, that was definitely the case. Uh, you know, when it, when Diablo three first came out, and uh, back when it had you know Inferno difficulty. And it had the the real world auction house things like that going on. It was a it was a much different game, much more difficult <laughs> once you got up to those higher difficulty levels. Now it's very casual, and you you get to the end game, and then you're just basically grinding um, uh, rifts, which basically you could they they get infinitely stronger. You could do infinitely higher rifts depending upon what your power is, and at that point, it, you kind of just hit that brick wall, and you kind of just gotta power up just that much more so you can go up another one and at that point it's just the same content over and over again not that interesting so it is a it is a different type of game but i mean like if people who enjoy diablo 2 i mean we'd go ahead and we'd we'd grind the same levels the same bosses over and over again try to get good drops the thing was once you actually got something you actually felt like you earned it because it was really hard to get but the process wasn't necessarily any different it was just a different kind of reward structure. So, gotcha. so that I mean that they're they're both two very distinct games, and you know there's players out there that enjoy both of them, and and I certainly do. But Diablo Four, I wasn't expecting them to be quite as far along as they were. They had three playable classes at the at the demo station: the sorceress, druid, and uh, I, I'm assuming it was a barbarian. Definitely looked like berserker, one berserker, barbarian, something like that. What they say? I think they said it was a berserker. I think that's I think why so. I was like, I think that's why I questioned myself there. But basically, your standard barbarian class. Yeah, you're Yeah, and I watched uh, I watched several people, uh, several streamers play through the demos, 
as well as a couple of developer Q&As, and they were talking about the different systems on how they were bringing back skill trees and rune words and trying to make sure that legendary equipment was just as powerful, if not more powerful, than uh, set items, which is an issue that Diablo 3 had. If you weren't running sets, you weren't playing the game right. Yeah, which is kind of lame. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't like it when my build gets dictated. So Yeah, when it takes the customization away, that kind of sucks when it's all about customization in those games. Right, right. Um, and Diablo 4, the graphics looked great. I think it definitely looked uh, a heck of a lot better than Path of Exile does right now, but I mean, obviously Path of Exile is you know, been out for many, many years, even though it's a fantastic game. Um, and they, and what I heard was they were developing this for PC and current console generation right now, which doesn't really make a lot of sense when it's not even close to being released. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be out next year, but I mean, who knows? But you got to remember when Diablo 3 came out, that was uh, toward the, the middle to end of the last generation, too. Yeah, um, I they were telling a they were suggesting that it probably wouldn't be out till about twenty twenty one, but wow. that was just what we were getting based upon what they were saying. They were like, "This is not even going to come out Blizzard soon," and Blizzard soon can mean like two years. So that's just hearsay, though. Basically, that's just based on historical data that we have as fans. Yeah, I guess but, more than likely, Overwatch two is going to be out next year. Yeah, I mean, that was an announcement. They they didn't actually give a release date for that? No, they didn't give a release date. But, I mean, I don't want to necessarily... you have anything else to say about Diablo 4? So I want to transition <laughs> away from it. Yeah, that that's fine. Um, I think I think fans <laughs> that were disappointed in 3, 4 definitely looks to be like a proper sequel to 2. Uh, they're, they're going back to that uh, very important itemization where even, you know, like, even rare gear is going to be useful. Uh, in certain circumstances and the game's going to be it looks like a lot more open world there's going to be you know like random world events going on where where people can you know help each other out kind of like you know uh the world events in like a game like destiny or something like that but uh, the the game the game map looked pretty expansive they said there was going to be i think four areas that were uh much bigger than i think each one of the areas was going to be Maybe bigger than like the entirety of, you know, like Diablo 3. I don't believe that that's probably going to be the case. From what we saw, though, there was a vast amount of uh, of real estate that they had already developed, but the demos were only 20 minutes, so people weren't getting very far. Uh, but they were just exploring, checking out the skill trees. And the skill trees are very, very reminiscent of Diablo 2, where you actually have to permanently pick different skill points and, uh, you know, deck out your character as as opposed to Diablo 3, where you could just switch them around uh, pretty much at will. So there's a lot of cool things coming back um, that Diablo 3 uh, left to the, you know, left in the ditches when it came out. So uh, and Diablo, Diablo fans overall, uh, a lot of positive reception. So I'm pretty excited myself. Yeah, it sounds like they're kind of going a little more hardcore where they kind of dumbed it down or made it more accessible for Diablo 3. They're kind of going the other direction for 4. Yeah, I think they're trying to go back to their roots and I think they're trying to listen to, you know, what the, the player base is saying that they actually want. Which is Did good. they ever announce Diablo 2 Remaster? I know that was a big rumor going around. They they, they did not. Um, 
I think they didn't want to take the steam out of Diablo 4. I don't mm-hmm. think it would have, but um, I think they had so much good stuff to release, they felt like they could hold that back. Gotta so, have something for next year. Yeah, well, that's right. So that'll that'll be good. I mean, yeah, if they show that along with uh, Diablo 4 even further down the line, closer to release, that would be uh, a pretty big announcement, too. So let's yeah. talk about Overwatch. And by us, I mean you. Oh, I'm a huge Overwatch fan, and Overwatch 2 was... I mean, it looked cool what they showed, but it looks like just an expansion to me. Like, they're adding PvE content, a new mode called Push, where you basically escort a payload like you already do in the regular game, I think. I think it's more like a tug-of-war instead of just escorting a payload, but... I, you said I don't it was know. PvE? Yeah, Overwatch 2. Basically... Okay. Is it like a horde mode where you're... Escorting the payload? Oh, that, that, that mode's PvP. It's the only new PvP mode there is. Oh, okay. It's the push mode. Their other content is just all PvE content. And you can, they're gonna be doing the same multiplayer. Like, you're gonna be playing with people that have the original Overwatch, and basically your account's just transferring over, which is, that's why it sounds like an expansion pack. I think that's a good idea, though. I mean, I, I don't think you should call Overwatch 2 then. Not necessarily. Um, it, maybe they just don't have everything quite fleshed out yet. They don't have every you know game mode that they want to add to it. So I'm assuming all the same characters are coming back. All yeah, the same man, they've modes. already announced like I think three new characters so far. Well, I mean the game is already like a, a games as a service as it yeah. is. So, but I mean, you, all the content was basically said it'd be free, and I guess. They're adding all those new characters for free, but a weird thing is they're adding a new a new graphics engine, so I'm wondering, like, is that also going to go into Overwatch 1? Because hmm. they said the only thing locked to Overwatch 2 would be the PvE stuff and the new push mode. And, and they what showed, about like, the... graphical differences, and they said, like, you'll all your stuff's going to transfer, and you'll be playing with people that have the original Overwatch. Like, all the PvP is going to be together. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, yeah, it definitely is a glorified expansion. And, and none of the, the new characters or the new characters that they release in the future, all those are going to be backwards compatible? Uh, that's the way it sounds. If It's going to have to be if they're going to be in the uh, PvP content. So so it sounds like they are basically advertising Overwatch like 2 <laughs> as, if you want PvE, get Overwatch 2. If you don't care about that, stick with the original. Yeah. Pretty much. The new push mode, you can't forget. They're pushing that to the moon, no pun intended. Uh, interesting. Um, was anybody excited about this? I saw like a bunch of people on Twitter who's like me with Overwatch 2, and it'd be like them next to themselves doing a selfie. It's the exact same person, the same clothes. Perfect. Perfect. I feel like that's a good way to describe it. I mean, I thought it was... It, it's cool that they're adding the, the PvE content and the story mode and whatnot, but... I just don't think they should have called Overwatch 2, because called it Overwatch, the fight begins, or something. Or just Overwatch working title. <laughs> that something. would work, too. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. That that sounds like a misstep a little bit. I would think so. And I still, I still think it's weird. I guess they're going to... If they're rehauling the graphics engine, you're playing together. I wonder if, like, I'm going to see it on my TV if I have the original Overwatch and the old graphics. And now they have, like, 
like newer, more cell shaded graphics for the second one, and a lot of the characters look different. I don't know. It's just weird. Did they say uh, what console? If it, what consoles were going to be supported? So my guess is I thought they said 2020 though. So I feel like it's coming out on the current hardware. Hmm. Oh, they did announce it for the yeah. They did announce uh, PC, Switch, Xbox, and PS4. Everything. So the graphics overhaul can't be too much, I wouldn't think. At least for the Switch. <laughs> That'll well, I mean, be the Switch already runs at 30 frames versus 60, so. Right, so at that point it would be 10, and it would be <laughs> unplayable. Well, I feel like they're just going more toward a Borderlands-type style. It's just getting more cel-shaded and stylistic, which is cool. But Right. Yeah, that's what they had to do with... That's what they basically had to do with Bloodstained on the Switch. They finally released that patch that that made it not go not play at seven frames a second. Yeah, they released that like they shadow dropped it last week, didn't they? They did. I haven't I haven't tried it, but I'm trying to I'm trying to take a step back from that. So once the extra DLC comes out, I'm not totally mm-hmm. burned out of on it. Pretty good idea. Yeah. But yeah, BlizzCon overall was a good time. Yeah, those were the only things I heard about. Did they? T- I'm sure they talked about um, Warcraft Reforged. Probably. But I, yeah, I didn't. I saw. I, I was just bored at work, like watching the live stream, and I saw like the like, hey, we have a Blizzard arcade featuring the Lost Vikings. And I was like, yeah, Lost Vikings. And that was probably me and three other people in the world. <laughs> so. Oh, that's true. But those those were good games. <laughs> what? <sighs> Are they going to release that as one of those home arcade machines? They should. That'd be cool. Yeah, those but... arcade one-ups. I actually saw the the Marvel superheroes arcade one-up at Target, and it was like a hundred bucks cheaper than the retail. Ooh. So how much was it actually? It it retails for three fifty, and it was two fifty. Damn. You didn't bite, huh? There's no space, and with the baby girl in the way, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> So I understand. no, I understand. It would be cool. We need somebody else to buy that, so we go over yes. and play it. It was it was tempting, but no. Oh, I get I get you. I get you. Yeah. So yeah, that was a cool weekend. Um, God, I I went from that weekend to uh, well, I went off of BlizzCon, and then I I got to I got a, like an afternoon to to finish up uh, Metroid: Samus Returns. It was oh, one of the most. Go. It was like one of the most satisfying like afternoons of gaming I've had in a while. That I, I finished it up. It, it it followed through with what I would as much fun as I was having up to the end. I was super stoked. That game might end up getting On onto list. my list here eventually. Holy crap! I had a, I had a really good time with that, and as well as you know, I, I got really close to finishing Strider too. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we we traveled back to the in-laws for a baby shower, so I got haven't gotten this zero gaming since like last Wednesday, so or Tuesday. Oh damn! So it's, it's been a little drought. Oh, and yeah, then I also then I also got my bloodstained Kickstarter stuff. Finally, they finally yeah, shipped that. That was like stuff. last Friday. Uh, yeah. So got my my T-shirt, my art book, soundtrack, my signed copy of the game, signed copy of the soundtrack. Um, and it's um other little doodads there too with a sweet little display box. Uh, I was pretty excited to actually finally get that. <laughs> <laughs> Took them a bit. They were they were so busy fixing that switch release that they were like, "Well, we got to hold off." 
At least they fixed it. Yeah, no, I'm glad they did. And now hopefully, hopefully they can move on to all that DLC that we are patiently waiting on. Yeah, I'm waiting for those new playable characters, so I'll, I'll be patient enough. I'm jumping in when Julius is playable. Mm, probably not jumping in, then. They haven't called him Julius Belmont. He can be Julius something else. Well, maybe they'll release him as a DLC in Grimoire of Souls so you can play him on your mobile phone. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. If that ever leaves Canada. Uh, looking forward to that. But, so this episode, besides talking about BlizzCon, uh, we wanted to get back to our, our countdown. Uh, I think we're doing 80 through 76 today? Yep, I can't remember. 80 through 76. Down I need to, to keep 70. track of that. I need to reference that before the episode. Uh, so we're, both of us are talking about our, our top 100 favorite games of all time. Um, you guys have been have been following. You know what the last uh, 20 have been. And, um, and disclaimer, these are not... But these are not the greatest games of all time. These are just the games that we consider our personal favorites and not the most, you know, influential, just to get yeah. that out of the way. These are undoubtedly the greatest games of all time, is what Chuck means. But yeah, these are our opinions, obviously. So Yeah. And they keep getting better. They do. And we're a quarter of the way through after this episode, which is kind of crazy. Oh, damn. Yeah. Nice. I feel like we've been doing it forever at this point, but it's been a day or two. We're kind of sporadic on the podcast, so that's why. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, I look, I look forward to these ones because I, every episode, I'm just like, oh, now we're getting the good stuff. No, I was just looking through the list today, and I was like, oh my gosh, like it's getting, it's getting real good. It's getting real good. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump in then, since we're already a half hour into the episode. <laughs> I'll go ahead and get started. I don't remember who started last episode. but I think I I did, so you're good. Perfect. So I'm going to start off with a Super Nintendo classic that I feel is totally underrepresented. And it is a fantastic action game that uh, I feel like I love it because it's just an action game that they just like throw the kitchen sink at you and they're like, have fun. And that is Super Turrican. I haven't played Super Turrican in so freaking long. I couldn't I, tell you when the last time was. It's an amazing game. I was going to say, did you own it? I couldn't remember. I feel like I should as much money as I gave movies and more, but no, you probably own that exact copy. <laughs> oh, that that's probably true. I don't remember where I got mine, but damn if I'll ever get rid of it. What a fantastic game. So Super, Super Turrican dropped in uh, 1993, and if you're interested in any other... Much cheaper ways to play. It came out on virtual consoles as well. But uh, Super Turrican did have a couple games before it. Uh, Turrican on the Genesis, and I believe Mega Turrican came out before Super Turrican, but it's it's hard telling. I can't quite remember. See, I couldn't remember, too. I know I played a lot of Mega Turrican and Super Turrican. I couldn't remember which one I liked more. I prefer Super Turrican, but both of them are great. Um... And here's here's the biggest reason why I like this game and this series in general. It is it is a really fast paced, just side scrolling action game, basically contra esque, if you will. Um, the only difference is that you can't aim like up, diagonal, and down. You can only aim from left to right with your guns. And when you're running through levels, um, and a lot of them are kind of open ended a little bit, 
there's a lot more exploration than a lot more exploration and like vertical ascension than just going from left to right like your typical action game you will obviously defeat enemies but you will also gather lots of different weapon upgrades and they remind me a lot of like a shmup where you'll just pick up like different colored orbs and it'll give you different kinds of weapons like spread guns uh there's like a bouncing shot things of that nature that's all pretty standard though the more the more power-ups you grab the stronger your guns get you basically just melt the level at that point you get a lot of other cool weapons. Do you remember any of the other ones off the top of your head? No, it's been a long time. <laughs> I, I got you. I got you covered. So you also have a freeze beam, which you can aim in basically a 360 uh, scope around your character, and you can freeze enemies because uh, a lot of the enemies do move pretty quickly, so that can be very useful. And then you, at that point, you can either shoot them or jump on them and kill them. Uh, there's also screen clearing bomb attacks much like your average shmup. And they also decided, they were like, hey, what else could they need? They give you also a morph ball and bombs, a la Metroid, because why not? Because people would want that. So you have all... Is there a decent amount of platforming in there? Yeah, there's a ton of of platforming. Like I said, there's a lot of that kind of like vertical ascension and things of that nature. Because you do have... Because they're not... They're pretty non-linear levels overall. You are trying to find the exit as well as, you know, get to the boss and destroy them. But yeah, there is a, there's a ton of exploration there. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And the, the music is really, really upbeat and, uh, keeps that fast pace going well into the, I, I believe the game's not actually that long. I think it's about six levels and I think you can beat it in about, about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. So it's, uh, I don't know if I ever beat it. I don't know if you have. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure if I ever did. <laughs> it's not that tough. So you probably did. Like they're really, they're really loose about giving out extra lives. Now Mega Turrican, on the other hand, I remember being fairly difficult. But... but it seemed like the Genesis always was harder on stuff than Super Nintendo. Why? Well, I, I think just things that are just labeled Mega against Super, it just sounds harder. Sounds. <laughs> I don't know. When I think of, of like the Ascension, there Mega is always above Super, and that's not just for love of Mega Man. So, I was gonna say, except when it comes to the console, because if the you want to call it the Mega Drive or whatever, the NES was way better. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. But uh, you know, if there's a couple of things that I would say that I don't love about the game, I prefer you know if you could aim your guns, you know, you know, up, down, diagonal. I think that like that the would eight way shooting or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can do that with your freeze beam, so I think that they tried to add a little bit more use there for that. Because you probably wouldn't use it as much. Wouldn't be as useful. Um, I think the you know, the level design, because it's so open, it causes the levels to not necessarily be as interesting. Like, there's not like a bunch of like really cool set pieces that you're running through. Um, it, but it obviously, that kind of non-linearity is interesting in its own right. And that as well as, like, I don't think that the enemy variety is very good. It doesn't matter since you get so strong so quickly that everything's just exploding anyway. So, Yeah, you just feel like a boss when you're playing Turrican. It's just, it's just like just one of those, like, adrenaline-filled, just, like, good times. And it's it's pretty relaxing. I don't. It's not one of those games that I stress out about. It's just a good afternoon waster. And yeah, you, you never regret when you pick up Turrican and start playing it. 
which I need to do for the first time in like 20 years. Yeah, I didn't know you uh, had spent so much time with it. I feel like we haven't talked about it before. We haven't, because we've never really... I mean, it's a one-player game, so we never really played it together much. That's true. Because I remember yeah. you were telling me when you, like, originally... I don't know, you got the game probably in the early 2000s and got to experience it, because I remember loving that game. Like, yeah, I remember that. Game was sweet, because it's rare, too. Yeah, death, well, not as rare as Super Turrican, too. That's very true. That game's <laughs> extremely rare. Like Metal yeah. Warriors rare. Yeah, and it's also not as good. I don't think. I don't even know if I played that one. <laughs> Probably not. I've emulated it, and uh, it, it's interesting. They add, they add like a bionic commando arm, and the game or the levels are much more linear. I think the graphics are nicer, but I think overall the the gameplay is not quite as satisfying. Is it so, still good at least? Oh yeah, no, it's still a fun game. Like I'd say. It's definitely better than the original Turrican, but I'd say Mega and Super, Super One, are uh, are better. So. Makes sense. Yeah, I got gotcha. that, that gets very confusing. Yeah, which is nice. a, a fun action romp starting off our countdown today. So from there, I think we're going to move along to a fighting game. We need more of those. There's going to be a lot more coming. Trust me. And we're going to the uh, the Sony PlayStation, kicking it back to 98. Interesting. The best 3D fighter on the console, hands down. Oh, Tekken 3. There you go. <laughs> not even a quick. Yeah, not even a contest at that point. That game was... I mean, I like the first two Tekken games, but I think Tekken 2 was a good game. Yeah, Tekken 2 was great. I don't remember spending much time with the first one. But Tekken 2... Uh, as far as I ever remember, that's definitely when they, they nailed the formula. And then Tekken 3 was just like, it was like the Marvel versus Capcom 2 of the series. Okay. Where they, just, <laughs> yeah. they were just like, here's a huge roster. Here's every type of gameplay mode that you didn't think you needed, but here they are. And here's like the whole roster from the first two games. Plus we had like, have a 20 year time gap. We'll have a whole new generation. That's kind yeah. of what they did. Yeah, it was great. And the, the graphics leap from 2 to 3 was actually pretty awesome, too. It was insane, especially for being on the same hardware. Yeah, I'd say it's actually one of the one of the <clears> best-looking <throat> PlayStation 1 games to this day. Oh, 100%. Especially the, of course, 3D ones. Like, 2D games age a lot better. Like, Symphony of the Night and Mega Man X4. But yeah, as far as 3D games go, it might be the best that I can remember. Yeah, it's really good. Those character models are something else. I'm amazed that the game good. plays as smoothly <laughs> as it does with as as nice as it looks. Plus, it had a ridiculous amount of game modes. It was the first one that had Tekken Force, which was like a a 3D crappy final fight. Yeah, it wasn't that great, but it was fun to mess around with. And you it, get chicken, it said chicken, and a really cool voice. That was the best part. It's You know, it sucks. Like, those game modes, they always sound awesome, like on paper. But, like, no fighting game has really ever figured it out. Like the Guilty Gear, like, 2D one or whatever, they're supposed to... Guilty like Gear Overdrive for the PSV or whatever it yeah, was. That or one. Judgment, Judgment, not Overdrive. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be amazing. I had it. It it wasn't. Well, the game itself was amazing, but that side-scrolling part of it was hit or miss. That's what we were hyped about, though, at the time. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, I was also hyped about uh, Guilty Gear Azuka with the four-player, like, Smash scenario yeah and i don't think that turned out that well 
Probably not. I don't. Think I actually I don't it, think but... we. Yeah, I don't think we ever did. I own it, but I don't think we ever played it. But going back to Tekken Three, you could have Tekken Beach Ball Mode Two or Tekken Ball Mode, whatever they called it, where you literally played volleyball. Yeah, that was good. That actually was pretty good. And then for characters, like you said, it had everybody. It even had the little mini dinosaur gone that was popular in Japan. I always thought that dude was cool. He was terrible, but I thought he was cool. <laughs> he was kind of cheap if the person you were playing was bad at fighting games and couldn't figure out how to duck and attack. If I yes, remember correctly. that's true. And I, I really want to get, like, I have Tekken 7, but I don't have, I haven't put a ton of time into it, and I don't have all the DLC stuff, which I think some of the coolest characters look like the DLC people. But, I mean, if I played that game more, it might be the representation on this list, but man, Tekken 3 was epic, and I got a lot of hours out of it back in the day. Yeah, well, I mean, especially, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of, like, the really good 3D fighting games that were on the PS1. Like, if you had Bushido Blade and yeah. Battle Arena Toshinden, which was not good. No, Bushido Blade was unique. It wasn't even really a fighter, though. Well, that was the one where you had, like, the one-hit deaths. It was, like, too yes. realistic. Yeah. Or Maybe it think... was cool for... No, that was definitely it. And I have the second one's actually really good, but they're just kind of like eight-way runners, and you kind of hope to stab someone and kill them, and there's not really a lot of... just There's not a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of tension. It can be cool, but it does not feel like a fighting game. Well, it certainly doesn't feel like Tekken 3, where the, the move lists were, like, ten pages long. Not yeah, quite Virtua can... Fighter deep, but pretty no. close. Not not quite, but it's a lot more accessible and fun than Virtua Fighter, in my opinion. Definitely more accessible, which usually makes it more fun unless you're in, like, a... You're ridiculously good in a tournament setting. That and I liked, always liked the fact that Tekken never took itself very seriously. It was always pretty silly, even though it tried to have like these very odd story modes. But they had, like a lot of the fighters had like very flamboyant uh, fighting styles and animations. And that was, that was always or cool even, to see. A lot of them had like a goofy ending too. Like it'd be a handful of characters, like you said, that took themselves like super serious and followed the, you know, quote unquote canon storyline. And everyone else, there's a lot of people, like, you can just play, like, a, a grizzly bear like Kuma. And he'll just go on an amusement park ride, like, with the little Zhaoyu, little Chinese schoolgirl. So. Apparently that's all you need. And that's and that's continued throughout the whole series, even up till 7 at this point, as far as I know. I believe so. Well, since Tekken 3, I don't, th- I don't think that that series has got quite as much uh, appreciation as it deserves, but even though I think seven has has revitalized that, I think it's Seven's definitely definitely helped a ton. Four was kind of a low point. You yeah, know, that's like true. five got it back. Five and six slowly climbed back up, and seven has been has been really good. Even though I, I I I don't know if you still share the sentiment, but the Tekken Tag series is still my favorite. Tekken Tag series, I don't know. I got so much love for the first one. I feel like seven <laughs> will probably be the best one, but yeah. The first Tekken tag, I'll never forget Roy just walking through and unplugging the thing after we'd spent like two hours trying to beat it on ultra hard. I think I think everybody's got a story like that where their their mom came in and was vacuuming and unplugged their system during something that they were trying really hard on. I, I what was that game or was that Tekken tag? Did we do that on Tekken tag too, or we played it on the really hard difficulty as well, or did we only do that for the first one? 
I'm pretty sure we did that with two as well. Mm-hmm. It was just on PS3 when you had it. That's right. We didn't spend nearly as much time with that one, but I think we were better at fighting games by that point a little bit at least. <laughs> yeah, that could be. That could be definitely better than I am now. That's for sure. <laughs> Straight garbage at this point, but Tekken Three certainly isn't. No, Tekken Three is still a good game. It's on the uh, PlayStation Classic. I think it plays kind of slow from what I've heard. I don't know. I don't have one, but there's plenty of ways to check it out and definitely give it a shot. I mean, you can get it on PlayStation. <laughs> Network for like five ninety nine. There's like no reason not to get it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You can just go on the PSN and grab for five ninety nine. Worth every penny. Well, let's move on to another game where some people might not think that it's worth five ninety nine. And this is probably going to be one of the most controversial games that's on my list, and it may even surprise you. Okay, um, I'm getting I'm getting pretty interested here. Uh, this is going to be an N sixty four, probably non classic. And uh, this is going to be an entry from my favorite franchise of all time, and that's going to be Castlevania 64. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, I know you're not surprised, but a lot of people will be. This is a game that I feel like gets a lot more hatred than it deserves. I think this game does a ton of really cool things, even though there are obvious glaring issues with it. And I can understand why people, if you know, the, the first time they played it, and especially if they read reviews and in those days they'd just be like the camera's awful the controls are awful and while the camera is most definitely awful it's one of the worst ones that i could remember on the nintendo 64 um as a kid and even now that does not ruin the experience for me at all uh being the the first 3d castlevania game it was a obviously a huge leap from any of the any of the 2d ones so uh, there was a lot of expectations for it. I remember there was, uh, I, I think they had a, a demo for it, you know, like one of those, just like a tech demo of it, you know, like kind of like they used to do for like Final Fantasy VI or Seven, where they'd have those like 3D polygons that they'd show off at the at yeah, the show. Yeah, famous Final Fantasy VI one on the 64, yeah. where everyone's in 3D. Yeah, they had one very similar to that for Castlevania 64, which showed like the characters like, whip swinging and you know doing this these really cool like battle animations and things like that Castlevania 64 didn't quite turn out like that (laughs) (laughs) but the things that it really did well uh first off it kept a lot of the you know the series standards so you know it integrated sub weapons and uh obviously a whip user in uh, like a sleeveless fur coat or something really weird yeah, yeah, it it was like a it was like a it was like a vest and it had yeah it had like the fur shoulder pad situation. His name was Reinhard Schneider, which was good lord, which was very interesting. And then um, did he hail from Jasper, Indiana? Uh, it's it's hard telling. It really is. It's pretty. German. It's either that or he was related to Rob. It's it's tough. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, um, and then there there was another character too. So you could play as a as a, a Belmont wannabe or as Carrie Fernandez, who was kind of just like this mage, uh, kind of like a descendant of a uh, family of mages. And so they played pretty differently. Um, so you had your standard whip attacks and your sub weapons and things like that. But the things that, the things that really drew me in was just like the, the atmosphere and the, the level progression that you went through. 
uh, to get, you know, from the this first starting forest, like all the way to Dracula's castle and to that final encounter. For me, the game reminds me a lot of just like this this really cool 3D adventure with with all these Castlevania elements in it. But the gameplay reminded me a lot of a Resident Evil game where you would there was a lot more exploration going on, trying to find keys, trying to figure out where to go. And, and, you know, interacting with different characters with different story beats and trying to, you know, like piece everything together uh, mm. while also exploring like very, very diverse locales. Like I said, does like, it have tank controls? No, it doesn't have tank controls. Oh, that's what I what I mean by, you know, it kind of feels like a Resident Evil. It's kind of like the exploration. Like when you're in buildings, you check out different rooms, you try to find keys, power ups. Yeah, you thing. have like an item inventory. and yeah. So it's not just, you know, it's not like your your original or your, your classic Castlevania adventures where you go from one end of the stage to the other. There's a little bit of backtracking and things of that nature, puzzle solving, stuff like that. Also, some very obnoxious platforming uh, due to the N64's controls and definitely the camera being wonky <laughs> as hell. Um, I kind of think that that sounds more interesting than the actual, like, the later 3D Castlevanias and the PS2 that were just, you know, you're, like, Devil May Cry, you go to a corridor, the door shuts, 57 skeletons run in, you kill them, you go in the next corridor, the door shuts. No, that's exactly, you're just describing Lament of Innocence, which... Yeah, in I it, know, it, I said this sounds way better than that to me. <laughs> and, and, yeah, in I its own right... It, I know I am. And it's so flat. I was just saying it for everybody else. Uh, in its own right, that was that was actually a pretty good game for its time. But yes, I agree. Castlevania 64 is much more ambitious. Um, it tries to do a lot more interesting things, as as far as I'm concerned. And I think it got it got pegged for that because the maybe I maybe people didn't like the graphics enough. Maybe they they were so turned off by the the controls. Even though I felt like a lot of games had kind of very strange controls on the Nintendo 64. You just kind of got used to it. That's very true. Not every game was Mario 64. So that's all I'm saying about that. Yeah, so lots of really cool 3D iterations of bosses. Um, definitely, like, like literally within, like, two minutes of it, you fight, like, a giant, a giant skeleton who busts through a door. And then later on, you fight another one, and you got motorcycle skeletons with him. So, I mean, this is the only Castlevania nice. game with motorcycle skeletons. Well, how but could it be that bad? I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, it also had some replay value, too. Like, if you played as the different characters, they had, you know, three or four unique levels to them. That they, like, towards, like, the second half of the game, they went through unique levels and they also interacted with different characters. So, their stories were a little different, too. Uh, and then also, um, I think it was either a year or two later, uh, Legacy of Darkness came out, which is basically Castlevania 64 with more content, two new additional characters. Uh, one of them can like turn into a werewolf and has additional stages. And the other one is basically he's some random knight with a gun and he goes ahead and just <laughs> tries to save children. It's very weird. Wow. It's like a, it's like a side quest that they decided to make into a, a, a character. But uh, extra modes were were welcome at that point. I, I played through all of them and enjoyed them immensely. And it, it may be it may be tough for people who like didn't actually experience it back in the '64 days, like back when that was that was the new hotness, and this is what you expected, and you kind of had to 
kind of had to deal with a little bit of jank because a lot of 64 games were janky. I feel like that whole generation of the 64, PS1, I mean, to an extent, Saturn, even though that was kind of like half of the generation, those three consoles, a lot of people, if you weren't there at the time, especially for the 3D games, I mean, they're going to have a hard time getting into those. And uh, I think I think Castlevania 64 is a game worth looking at, and I think, I know it's like the black sheep of the series for sure, but I, I think it, it threw a lot of stuff at the wall and tried to craft a very a, a very interesting adventure in itself and i liked the the progression and the different environments and definitely the music and the atmosphere i thought that was really cool and it, it's it's one of the only it's definitely the only castlevania game that ever scared me i'll, I'll tell you why oh, there's this dang. there's this there's this level that i remember very fondly it's not not too many games you get to play like a hedge maze resident evil 4 being the main one that comes to my mind <laughs> But the hedge maze in Castlevania 64 had like these two, uh, these two stone dogs chasing after you. And, you know, they, they were basically invulnerable. You could knock them down temporarily. But uh, you had to run away from them the whole time while you were trying to figure out how to get through this maze. And then there was also this, this guy who had chainsaws on his arms who was also <laughs> running after you. And it, if he, if he caught up with you, yeah, you were basically screwed. You could, you could kill him, but it was pretty tough. And uh, they were just harrying you the the entire time you were trying to do this. And I think at, at a certain point you were also uh, doing like an escort mission while you were going through the maze too. Uh, it, it, that was just a very memorable and very. It was one of the first times that I'd, I'd played a game and I was like stressed out. I was like this this is kind of this is kind of scary. I don't know what's going to be around the corner. So I just remember that very very fondly. So that's cool. Yeah. So Castlevania sixty four cool game try it out don't don't necessarily listen to all the haters but i do understand why some people find it just a tad bit unplayable i feel like if you grew up like ps3 360 era or after then i don't know if you should play it like a lot of games from that time period if you grew up and actually remember games from that era or even like the ps2 gamecube xbox era to like give it a shot, because I know I'm going to have, spoiler alert, Bomberman Hero way up to countdown. It's kind of in the same spot as Castlevania 64, so. Much more well-remembered. Not talked about as much, but more, more it's still well-remembered. Good. I still got, like, sixes and maybe sevens, like, around the time it came out, I feel oh, like. Yeah, so. really? I thought that yeah, was Bomberman it, 64. No, that actually got better reviews than Bomberman Hero somehow, and that game blows. Again, that game does blow. That's well, that's a tragedy right there. Ugh. All right, Buck, what's your next game? Well, I'm taking it to the current generation. Oh, damn. Have we done that yet? I, d- I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. People are starting to think we're just real old. Back in my day, I hit Castlevania. <laughs> yes. But, uh, I'm taking it to current day, and the main reason I got my uh, Xbox One a little little game from Studio MDHR, and I still don't know if you played this. If not, good lord, you need to. And that's Cuphead. Oh, I have played Cuphead. Cuphead's great. Okay, good. Cuphead's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah how much was... have you? Did you get it on PC or would you get it on? Yeah, I have it on Steam. I, okay. I got it on deep, deep discount. I was I was waiting to kind of see if anybody else was going to get it because I think you may have been a late adopter, but I could be wrong. I got it. In twenty seven seventeen, yeah. 
So, so you got it three days after it. it came out. Okay. Basically. I got it like three months after it came out. <laughs> what a love letter to classic games and, God, just classic cartoons in general. Yeah, it's like it's... A, a almost like a Contra game, except it's just basically a boss rush. I mean, there's a, a few platform stages, but for the most part, like, it's a glorified boss rush in one of the best-looking games of all time. Like, that Fleischer Brothers style of animation is crazy fantastic. Yeah, I can't imagine how long it took them to develop that game, and it will it will age forever. Or it will not age forever. How would it's you... It's gonna be, look amazing forever. <laughs> there you go. Well, I know they said they had to, like, refinance their house to be able to have enough time and resources to be able to actually develop Cuphead. Well, thank God it took off then. That's, exactly. That's great to hear. Good Lord. Not that they had to refinance their house, but... <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, it was just uh, two brothers, I believe, that made it. And holy crap, that game is... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it besides like a, you know, 30s, 40s style Fleischer Brothers cartoon come to life meets like bullet hell shooter slash boss rush slash awesomeness. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. It just it, it's incredible, like how many just like unique and well-crafted bosses they came up with. Because I what is there like 30 of them or something like that? And they all have multiple forms. Yeah. Holy crap. And it's even just the small things they add to it that just make you want to keep playing. Because, I mean, a round of it or life, whatever you want to call it, it only it's only going to last a couple minutes. And when you die, it literally shows you how far along you've progressed. So you always have the drive to keep going. Like, you know, if you're this close to a new form or this close to actually beating the boss after you die, like you don't have a life bar, but it shows you a progression map at the end pretty much. It's like, holy crap, this is, I could do this next time, one more round. It's yeah, and, and, and with not so having good. to run through the level again to get to the boss, it, it provides you, you know, more motivation to try it again. Since it's such a, a simplified, I don't, I don't want to say simplified, but it's such a more pure experience there. And, and damn it if the charm levels aren't at maximum across yeah, the board. They're off the charts. Just the animation, the whole thing, the whole package. The only thing, obviously, complaining that the game's not long enough because it is just a boss rush. I mean, how long could it be when it's a, a bullet hell boss rush game, basically? It's it's long it's long enough to <coughs> represent your skill level as a gamer. I would imagine. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. And it's, I mean, obviously, I got through and I just wanted more at the time. No, I get, I get that, and I think if anybody's just like, oh, I don't like this game because it's too short, I think you can go fuck yourself, because you have no idea like how much effort had to go into animating all of those bosses oh, and that, all of that yeah. gameplay, and then the gameplay on top of it, and the music, and all that stuff is so on point. Yeah, the that... music's completely of the era. The, the story's actually super dark. <laughs> they basically sold their souls to the devil and have to um, kill all the other people that owe money the devil to get their souls back. But it's told in like a weird cartoony way that doesn't make it look like it. Like, like it's uh, just the whole game is ridiculously fantastic. Yeah. I don't know lots, what to say about Lots to love there. That's a, that's a good inclusion. I'm assuming you beat it, right? I don't actually think I put that, that much time into it. I played it for a couple hours. 
See, um, that's a game that if you were like still here, I was there, whatever, like we would probably play oh, all the freaking time. Oh, for sure. For sure. You could have yeah, a I certain think... kind of skill set to even appreciate that kind of game and want to play it. Yeah, no, I, I like that game a lot. I would I would play the the crap out of it with you. I just for I don't remember what else I was playing at that point that I I went away from it. But well, I mean, it is a style of game that just lends itself. It's a lot better if you have someone. Like it would probably be higher up this list if I'd played it. I haven't played it co-op very much. I was, yeah, like, I was going to ask you the that. Game co-op. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask if it you if you thought it was harder or easier multiplayer because some games like that are easier by yourself. It's yeah. I mean, I think this one it just depends on the skill level of the person. I mean, it definitely Always. could be like me and Jess played it. My wife, we played it for a while. And like, even so, even if I'm having to like, cause she's not used to those type of games and grow up with me. If I have to like, cause you can revive the person. Like when you die, you slowly float up the screen. You can, if you like jump and, and parry off them, you can revive them. So, I mean, you can basically with two players, if you're good, have like unlimited HP essentially. Yeah. That sounds Gunstar Heroes esque. Yeah, except obviously with that much going on, there's a good shot you're both getting shot at the same time and dying. But, but yeah, it's certainly easier with two people. But it's gonna if you're having to constantly save one person, then you can't really concentrate. And that's the other thing with two people though; it's a lot harder to concentrate on your character and what you know what you're getting shot by, since there's another set of bullets on the screen. Oh yeah, so they they do. Uh, compensate for the extra player. It do, it does change it up a little bit. I don't think it does. I just think that there's so much extra going on on the screen with another player and firing more bullets, even if it's like in the other direction or you have homing bullets or whatever. It just makes it more chaotic and sometimes just I think a little bit hard to see. And you can get you know a random stray bullet can sneak up on you a little bit easier because the screen's kind of full. Gotcha. All right, so. Let's go on to my next one, then. And this is a 2009, so this is a little bit more modern than some of the ones I've been talking about. And this is going to be the first game off of a series that I hold very dear, especially <laughs> from the PS2 generation. This was, this was probably my favorite series on the PS2. And there was a there was a lot of quality games here, and it also you know, you know bled over to PS3 and PS4 later on. But that's the Rush and Clank series, and uh, this entry is going to be Deadlocked, which is the fourth game in the series, one that is not quite not quite as fondly remembered by a lot of I want to say fans and probably journalists alike because it was does it on PS2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay. Because they were. There's the original, and then was it reloaded and up your arsenal? It was uh, going commando, up your arsenal, and then deadlock. Yeah. I totally forgot about this one. I I get it, man. But this one's fantastic. Like, this is this is a pretty big departure uh, from the series. It's not kind of this like this long ep. Well, I don't want to say long, but like this epic intergalactic quest to uh, you know stop the bad guy, you and Ratchet are going around different planets. Uh, helping out the locals, but uh, also just trying to get closer to your goal along the way. Obviously, while gathering the the world's lo- largest arsenal of awesome weaponry and just blowing up everything. But uh, Deadlock was interesting in the fact that it kind of reminds me a lot of Thor Ragnarok, if anybody's seen that. 
where Ratchet and Clank kind of get kind of like marooned on this planet where they where Ratchet is forced to enter in this gladiator style battle arena and he has to kind of fight his way up the ranks to kind of gain his freedom. This game has all of the the traditional humor and story and all the stuff that anybody any fans of the series or even not fans of the series would will most likely appreciate. There's a lot of charm here, a, a lot of kid-friendly humor, but I also think it's it, adults enjoy it too. I always did. I still do. Uh, minus maybe the re, the remake of the original that came out a few years ago. That one didn't do that for me so much, but that's because it had to be PG for the movie. Yeah, it had to be PG, and they kind of streamlined the whole process or the whole game. Like, and Ratchet's character even changed. Oh yeah, a lot. He didn't have like any attitude. He was basically just. He may as well have been a mute, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. The gameplay was good, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. I actually think it's it's way more fun to play than the original Ratchet & Clank because of all of the extra improvements there to the, the game mechanics that the series had added since then. But uh, as far as the story, not so much. But Deadlocked is uh, is interesting because, because you're in that gladiator arena situation. Basically, the game is just like battle trials, different types of platforming challenges, and then also just like gunning for like, you know, the next people on the leaderboard, if you will. So there's, I don't, I think there's supposed to be like a hundred gladiators that you're supposed to take down, but uh, you don't actually take down that many. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> that's just, the story progresses um, and you eventually, you know, get to the top and, and take down the, the number one guy and the other story elements that are, that are a part of that. It's it's much more focused on the gunplay and less so about, you know, the world exploration and, uh, you know, kind of like trying to find secrets and things like that. There certainly are some, but it is it is more about the action set pieces and, you know, like there's a lot more vehicle combat. Now, one of the things I don't think people like about the game so much is that there is a limited inventory of weapons like in going commando and up your arsenal before this, you were looking at anywhere between like 20 and 30 weapons and other gadgets that you would get along your adventure for all great fun. Don't get me wrong, but in this one, there's actually, you only get 10 weapons and, oh. and the, and the thing that they do here, don't get upset about it yet. Um, <laughs> I think it's actually a strength to this game, even though I like having a ton of weapons. I think that's great. Each one of the weapons is very, very useful and you will always be going back to them. Uh, they, you know, you have a, you have a sniper rifle, you have, you know, your fast firing pistols, you have your shotgun, uh, you have like a barrier, you have a, like a, a big old flail that you throw around for melee damage. Uh, there's a, there's a bunch of really interesting weapons that are pretty standard for the series, but what they do, uh, besides making each one more important, there's this, I don't know, let's just say it's a customization mode where. Okay. You add like you can add like different elements or like different types of like firing rates or you just power up the weapons in different ways to suit different scenarios. Like you can make like you can have guns have like lob shots instead of like straight firing, you know, guns. So you can make it into like more of like a grenade launcher uh, as opposed to like a rocket launcher, but much more granular than that. So you can customize the weapons in different ways and you can swap them out on the fly as well as the 
uh, the ratchet and clank stand, you know, you're leveling up your guns as you're, you're killing enemies. They get more powerful. So it's really all about that combat loop. I think it's very satisfying because it's, it, it's hands down besides the, the humor and just kind of the lightheartedness of the story. My favorite aspect of the games. Another really interesting thing is I think it has maybe one of the better post games. Uh, you replay the game again and after your first playthrough, you can level up your weapons to level 10. But then once you go to the, the second playthrough, you can level them up to level 100, which is, seems ridiculous, but it's not, it's not, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's actually pretty quick. Um, they make, they make that process a lot more satisfying. I kind of just like the, the more, what I want to, the more focused gameplay of it. Um, yeah, we're kind of weird in the fact that we don't like a lot of open world stuff most of the time. We like kind of a more focused experience. We're just kind of wandering around so we won't see too many Bethesda games on here. Right. And like probably yeah. any. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't know yet. Probably not. <laughs> Fallout but, 76. But I thought Deadlocked was a nice, was kind of just like a nice change of pace from the first three. And I like the fact that they went back to that kind of formula in the uh, more recent games. Um, I like both varieties of it. I love the Ratchet and Clank series. This won't be the last game you see on my list. I promise you that. But I don't think that it, it kind of deserves the kind of place in the pantheon of the series that fans put it in. Like, I, I think besides maybe some of those offshoots, like, Ration Clink, Frontal Assault, and <laughs> those just those games that weren't quite main series, like All for One, uh, just, just just not quite there uh, as far as what the fans wanted and needed at the time. I think Deadlock is is just as good as any of the other games in the series, and uh, just tried different things. So yeah, I don't feel like it really gets a hate a lot of hate. It just kind of got forgotten by history more so than anything else. I think. Well, I think that could be. I think. I feel like the series almost has, to a certain extent. Oh, for sure. They're, uh, the movie flopped, and after that, I feel like Sony's like, oh, we're good. Yeah, that was very disappointing. I was excited to see it come back, and I was hoping so good, so much that that was going to be a good film. And it's pretty, but that's it. Yeah. Did you actually watch the movie, or just play the game? Well, if you if you play the game, you've seen the movie, because all the cutscenes are straight out of the movie. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize that. That is, yeah. It's a fun game, but like you said, it's just kind of soulless, I would call it. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it's great plan, for sure. Uh, yeah, in the movie, yeah, it's not that great. And as a, as a huge fan of of the series, I, I had a lot of, of hopes for it, but as a video game, as a video game movie, I should have tempered my expectations, but I thought if there was one <laughs> series that could just, like, baby do just like a fun like kids movie, like like a Pixar esque. Yeah, it could have been. A, it should have been a perfect Pixar movie. Yeah. So my expectations, I, I saw, I saw the the possibility of it being a good movie, as opposed to a lot of the ones that they try to make. I'm just like, there's no way. Why are you trying to make yeah. an Assassin's Creed movie? Or something I was just like gonna that. say that. So that that was disappointing, but the Ratchet and Clank series still uh, has a large place in my heart and always will. Bring it back, Insomniac. As it should. All right, moving on. Moving on to one of... Uh, we've already been through some some territory here with this one. And I'm going to have to virtual on you with the next one. It's going to be virtual on Ontario Tangram. Ontario Tangram, however you pronounce that. 
Ontario Tangram. That's how I pronounce it every episode. Yeah. Okay, every other episode you mention it, we should both pronounce it by now. Well, I think our our, our rabid listeners should also know, too, because we have talked about it on... This might be the third occasion. This is at least the third occasion, because I know yeah. we did it in fighting games, we did it in your episode, we're doing it here, and I, I feel like we did it in like an underrated games episode, too, so... Yeah, it probably came up with like when we were talking about Zone of Enders or something. Probably. Any chance I get to mention Spezniff? He's a cool guy. Mm, that's for sure. Get to <laughs> it. But the Dreamcast Classic with the ridiculously fast uh, fighting engines, a 3D uh, arena brawler, basically a 3D arena fighter, where you're, you pick a mech and you go one-on-one against another human or computer, and just go flying around and shoot some lasers and swords and sides and have a good time. Yeah, one of the most fast-paced 3D fighting games out there, even still to this day. I can't I can't think of any fighting game that's quite as adrenaline-fueled, and even to this day, it still controls like really well. Yeah, it's one of the few games where like you remember in your head, like, I remember that being like pretty good and fast-paced, then you actually go play it again, and you're like, okay, it actually is really as good and fast-paced as you remember in your head. That's that's kind of rare, especially a lot of fighting games don't age as well as you hope when you play them again. Oh, no, that's for sure. That's almost like 100% the case. <laughs> almost. And uh, I think one of the big things that Virtual One has going for it is that we don't see a lot of good games you know, like in the mech genre, if you will, outside of like Armored Core, but those are different games. Yeah, those sure. are very slow-paced, number-crunching, customization-filled games. Where this is just arcadey fun. Yeah, there, there's literally no bullshit, and it's it's easy to pick up and play. It's not it's not that complex, really. I mean, you don't have to like memorize combos and things like you would have to in your uh, other typical 3D and 2D fighting games. You just remember, you know, you you boost around real quickly with like the L and R triggers, and you also use those. I believe if it's been a while since I picked it up, but I, I believe you use those boosts to also uh, change up the different attacks that you do based upon yes. your positioning. And if you're in the air ground positioning stuff like that, and I don't know, it feels like I feel like a mech game should like you have. A lot of options, and there's things on cooldown. Like, I wouldn't want to play, like, a mech game where there's a ridiculous combo system, because it wouldn't feel like you're in a, a giant robot at that point. It feels like you're just playing, like, a fighting game. This, I mean, you got a few different weapons, basically. After you use one, they're all on cooldown, and there's a little more just straight-up strategy than it is trying to memorize your 86-hit combo. Yeah, because I mean, if you're if you're doing combos in this game, you're already in melee range, and those like melee sword attacks, whatever your weapon is, those are really crunchy, and they do a crap ton of damage. At that point, uh, you've probably already won. So, so this is if I was piloting a Gundam, this is what I think it should feel like in my head. Yes, so this is how good I would feels. be at it right away. Yes, immediately, exactly. Glad yeah. you understand. Yes, well, obviously I understand. It's one of <laughs> one of my favorite Dreamcast games too, and I, I I remember this game. It was 
I think this was back in the day where there wasn't a lot of just like this this filler stuff that they put in fighting games nowadays where they feel like they have to like force in a story mode. There was literally just arcade and versus mode, if if I'm not mistaken. No, absolutely. The most story filled fighting game was Tekken because it had a little animated ending of or CG ending of each character at the end. That was the most story we got in most fighting games. And that that was that was all we needed. I remember I played through the arcade mode all the time. Oh, like it, sure. Yeah, I just I do it like I don't know, like once or twice a day for like a month yeah, or two after I got it. Yeah. Well, I you know there was a lot of great fighting games for the system, so you know I'd throw one of those in like every night after school, and and then I'd try my combos on you, and then I'd lose. So. Realize they didn't work against each other. All the <laughs> epic combos we practiced don't work at all against an actual person. Yeah, and just very to frustrating. Run behind buildings and jump and attack them. Yeah, that's why we went back to virtual on. <clears throat> we didn't have yes. to learn combos. <laughs> yeah, what a, what, no, a, what I mean, a classic! It's kind of a shame that there's like nothing really like it anymore around. At least that I know of, or no like big game release that's comparable to virtual on. I think you mentioned uh, in a previous episode they they are working on an HD remake of it of this and Mars. Yeah, they they're definitely doing that. I, I think it, is it. I think it's still Japan only, unfortunately. Oh, that's rough. Was it going to be on the Switch and? It's going to be on PS4 for sure. Hmm. And I just want to get an actual arcade stick with it, like the twin sticks that you, they use in the arcade. I yeah, that's just sweet. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'd want to definitely play that on a, on an arcade machine. That would be something else. I don't know how I'd hand. I don't know how I'd do with that. Probably terrible, but it'd be fun. Oh yeah, for sure. There is there. There's definitely something to playing a game in a in a, a fighting game, especially in an arcade setting. That's just I don't know. It can't quite be matched by it can't quite be matched by that. You know the home console experience, but. Yeah, the we uh, suck, online we suck experience is not sticks. the same. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, certainly Virtual On uh, for Dreamcast. Try it out. It's amazing. Still holds up. Play it. Uh, but is it as amazing as this 1992 classic for the SNES that we played the ever-living crap out of? And I know you love it, too. And oh, that's Contra sure. 3. That's exactly Hell yeah. Contra 3, The Alien Wars. What an awesome co-op experience, and what a just kind of what I want to call it, like a to- <laughs> well, definitely a hard game, but just like a tour de force of what the Super Nintendo was capable of. Like this game basically took advantage of everything. Definitely the mode seven. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, <laughs> but just like the set pieces and the different, just the game variety. Like, the level variety and the bosses. Ugh, it was incredible. And they're all done well. That's the crazy part. There's not, like, one section like, well, this totally sucked. Yeah, I don't think any part of it sucked. And the only argument I could really make are those over-the-top mode 7 levels where you had to, like, cover the map and try to find different targets and destroy them. But Even I those, once think we got it... used to them, weren't bad. No, they weren't bad. They They were inferior to the standard gameplay. Konami, keep listening. We're giving you notes here. This is what (laughs) you need to do. (laughs) 
Yeah, you guys got to remember, Contra 3 was made by Konami, and this is one of the greatest games ever made. Yes, and back when they still... This is back even right around or even before their heyday. Like I'd say in the middle of it. Oh, for sure. The 80s and 90s, they were awesome. That you, you can't talk about the Super Nintendo without talking about Contra 3. I mean, just from, obviously, like I said, the, the graphic prowess, the, the explosions, the the grotesque alien bosses, um, let alone like the awesome weapons that you could get uh, that were just so much cooler, so much more improved upon from uh, the original two games. And the fact that you could hold two of them, like a modern FPS, <laughs> that, was, that was huge. That added a lot of strategy, too. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it does. It's crazy just how much like that pushed the system's limits, I mean, shortly after the SNES came out. It was a killer app. Everybody had to own it, and I, pretty much anybody who had one definitely played it. We don't oh, need to yeah. sing its praises any more than already has, but... And it's on, like, all the SNES Classic. I mean, of course it's on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, should be. yeah, if you just like really fast-paced action games, I feel like that's all we've been talking about this episode. I remember the one thing that really made Contra 3 just like stand out from the original two, like the original two are kind of hard to go back to in comparison, is it was just like the ability to climb like vertically and also hang from things during combat. Yes. That changed everything, and I, I know for a fact that my... The most memorable level for me is obviously that like missile barrage segment in the sky where you're just yeah. jumping from missile to missile the whole level and then you have to fight a boss while you're doing that as well. God, that was awesome. And I've never seen anything like that since. It's one of those things like you didn't even know you wanted until you played it and you're like, okay, this is amazing. I would have never like told him to do this, but this is amazing. Yeah, it. For me, if someone had to like describe that to me, like the listeners might be just like, that sounds like that would be annoying. And you know, in a game that is not as well made as this, maybe it would be. I, it was, yep. it was just a ton of fun. It was an extra layer of something that you had to pay attention to, but it did not distract or make the level frustrating. It was just, uh, the epitome of just like the different, uh, gameplay variety that this game, you know, brought to the table. I mean, you had your, your side-scrolling levels that you ran through, but you also had, like, speeder bike levels. I remember that one where you like you were, like, in the desert, and I think you fought, like, that giant, like, airplane or ship or something, and yep. you took it apart piece by piece uh, on your motorbikes. That was awesome. Uh, I mean, even a lot of the bosses had, I guess, I guess you could say multiple forms, but, like, multiple, like, you could damage part of them, and they would keep going, like, you think you beat them, and then... You blow up like a piece of the tortoise's shell or something, then it keeps going. Yeah. What about that? I I think the I think the most famous boss is probably that like robot skeleton one, where you had yeah. to climb <laughs> along the ceilings and dodge his bombs and his laser beams. God, yeah, there was annoying. just it wasn't very hard, but it was it was uh it, it was something else. Like there was just a a lot of great ingenuity going there. Contra three, gotta play it. If you haven't already, which I can't imagine. I want to go back and play it again now. I'd even want to go back and play Contra 4. That was a great game, too. It's just harder to enjoy co-op. That's a, yeah, we could never... Do you have that? I know I do. I think I do. That might be part of the reason. Still definitely a good game. It does have that annoying like screen tear on the DS. 
That's true. Other than that, still recommend it. Well, how are you going to follow that one up? I mean, with another amazing game, so if we're switching genres to RPGs. All right, I'm I guess we'll it slow it to, down. Yeah, we're definitely going to slow it down. Going to take it to the uh, the Game Boy Color. All right. Not, not going to just camp on the Game Boy Advance, are we? Nope. We gotta give the Game Boy Color some love because it had a few, a few really good games, and this was certainly one of them. It was the first RPG that I played where you could just fully kind of create your own class and basically make it all yourself. It was kind of felt like a, a DIY RPG of you know pick your own class, name everybody, have whatever job they want. Dragon Sweet. Quest Three. Yeah, well, Dragon Warrior 3, technically, <laughs> but yes, All Dragon right. Quest 3. Fair enough. On the uh, the good old Game Boy Color, and I'm I'm thinking about uh, picking up the one that just came out on the Switch again, because I want to play this game again. Yeah, that one's supposed to be good. It's the first and second one that got just like that cell phone port. Yeah, where it's just like the scenario. weird scrolling thing. And... Yeah, the third one got some love, though. Uh, so I and... see it. For like twelve bucks, I mean, or twelve fifty, or whatever it is, I feel like you can't go wrong because literally, there's probably fifty to sixty hours of gameplay in it. Well, and that's the only other way that you can play it besides having <clears throat> a Game Boy Color card, isn't it? Well, yeah, and obviously, but, like the Japanese yeah. game. Well, like the, the NES, technically. Well, yeah, that did end up coming out here, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the first four did, right? Yep. Except I would argue, I mean, the Game Boy Color one would be superior to the NES one. I would imagine. But, yeah. Man, did you ever actually play that game? No, I didn't. <sighs> so good. You played a ton of two. You would freaking adore three. Oh, I have. I have no doubt. Like I, I love two. I loved seven. And I'd say it's probably closer to seven than it is two. Definitely closer to seven, except it's more. Honestly, it's closer to nine than it is seven. Nine. You just don't like seven. You just don't like next... seven. Yes, <laughs> I don't like seven. <laughs> I think seven was too slow. But... Well, it was. Nine took everything to the next level with the job system, but I mean, this was definitely the start of it, and I wholeheartedly prefer this game to Final Fantasy three and like ten out of ten times. And that's saying a lot because you tend to gravitate way, way closer to Final Fantasy than yeah, most Dragon I, Quest games. That's true. I have there's a few Dragon Quest games that I hold very near and dear to the heart, but yes, for the most part, I'm more of a Final Fantasy guy. Although I still want to play Dragon Quest Eleven soon. It looks good. Have you played that one yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just uh, played the demo and that was it. I enjoyed it. Did you play the demo? No, I haven't. I don't know why, because I know it's even going to carry over if I do play it. Yeah, you should. It's like 10 hours long. So Holy I mean, crap. That- yeah, it's like a ten-hour demo, and then it carry. It, after ten hours, it should carry over. I'm going to be invested by that point. That's, that's yeah, genius. They're going to make you buy the game if you play it that long. But Absolutely. going back to three, holy crap, that game was. It was like an eye opener at the time. I got it in 2001. I was like, so I can actually create like my whole party from scratch. Shouldn't yeah, was that the that, was that I the first game that you had? Um, was that the first RPG like that that you had played at that point? I had played Final Fantasy V already. Okay. So, but Final Fantasy V felt a little bit different because obviously you're you're not like naming your own characters and you're not just picking their job from the start of the game. 
it reminded me more of Final Fantasy 1. Yeah, it was definitely more like that. And then you can um, do like an, an Ascension class in the middle of the game. You basically like restart their level to 1 and level up the class type thing. But, but those were permanent choices, weren't they? You couldn't just swap back and forth. Yeah, like, if you wanted to be, like, a sage, which was, like, the strongest class, you had to pick a jester at the beginning of the game, which was by far the worst class, and then you had to, like, ascend him up to a sage. Like, there were, there were, it was more of a streamlined tree, you couldn't do, like, Final Fantasy V and uh, kind of combine the job system, but, I don't know, the game just felt, there's the charm there, of course, from Toriyama's designs, and the game just felt more epic than even five. And I like five a lot, like I know I talked about earlier in the countdown. But yeah, I need to play still. this if you thought it it felt that epic. Maybe it just hit you at the right time. It it definitely hit me a good time where there was probably wasn't a ton of RPGs. Actually, there would have been a ton of RPGs in two thousand one. The game was just freaking epic. <laughs> <laughs> and for a Game Boy Color RPG to be epic, you know it was good. Yeah, and it was. Super long, almost to the point of too long, and that's the only bad thing about you know the Dragon Quest games in general is they're they're grindy, grindy games. Yeah, was that one as bad? It was. I think it, this one was worse because in the later games, like I beat a handful of them, and almost all the ones I beat, I would find places to grind like King Metal slimes and stuff to get insane amounts of experience. Like I'm sure you did in nine too. Yeah, well, I mean, at 9, you didn't need to do that to finish the game. You did that for, like, the end-game no, content. No, you did that for the, the end-game, the, the treasure grottos or whatever they were. Right, like, I don't remember doing that in 8. Um, definitely had to do that in 7. That game was brutal, but that's a different I had story. to do that in 5, for sure. Which, 5 is oh, a better played. game than 3, even. It's coming up later. That game is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I never played any really any of those DS ones, even though I own all of them. I never put much time into them. Play five. That's the only one that I would say is really worth playing. Fair enough. Any game where you get like a a system where you can have multiple generations, it just feels epic. Ah, yes, Fantasy Star three. It felt so epic. <laughs> three was the one that sucked, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was a, that was the one cool part about it. So. Well, it was done right in five. There you go. All right. I'll take that yeah. under advisement. Final, Final Fantasy. Dragon Warrior slash Quest 3 should absolutely be replayed. It just came out on the Switch. 1249. Everyone should go pick it up. Pick your classes, make your party, and have a good old time. Yeah, does it have any, um, besides the graphics, does it have any other enhancements to it that you know of? I think they cleaned up the story quite a bit from what it was originally on the NES. And are you talking about like the the Game Boy one or the current one? I'm really just any of them because I mean the Game Boy one would have been the most recent one. So yeah, I think that's pretty much about it. I mean the game is still pretty grindy, and if you pick the wrong job combination, I feel like you could probably screw yourself over like any game like that. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to pick that one up. <clears throat> As I complain about on every episode, I need things to play on my Switch. Yeah, well, that's that a, good a good one. Yeah. All right. Sure. So, is it the last one for you? 
Yeah, I better hurry up. You're gonna fall asleep. <laughs> hey, time change. <laughs> no, I hear you. So let's see here. Last one. This is the start to an epic franchise that I never knew I wanted. A lot of us didn't know we wanted. And this is back on the PS3, the original Souls game. That's going to be Demon Souls. I remember what? right after you got this, like, I came over that night or, like, the next night or something, and you're like, you've got to try this game. I bet you I can't was in get college. past the first level. I was in college when this came out. Well, it must have been, you must have came home right then or something. Well, that that could be, because <clears throat> I remember my, my first experience was with this was, the the week it came out, because I bought this pretty much day one, or pretty much week one, because I've been reading about it and I was I was anticipating it. I was like, ooh, the really hard action RPG. Maybe that maybe that'll be cool. I don't know. Didn't know what I was gonna get myself into, but I remember I had to like because I, I think it came out like around Halloween or something that year. That and sense. I I had a I had a party and I had a couple of my buddies over and um and we were we were basically just hung over and we were just like let's go get some food and then we went to Best Buy and they had a buy two get one free game deal going on which they like never do and this was on new games which that's all they sold back then and I was like okay so they had the new Ratchet and Clank game they had Demon Souls and then I don't know I I think I I was so into Rock Band I bought the the Beatles Rock Band game which that was a mistake but <laughs> you never played that you're right not much so i bought those three games it, it was free what can i say um <laughs> so i bought those three games we, we brought them home and we were uh and we we tried demon souls first because like oh you guys gotta try this game i've heard a lot about it and we, <clears throat> we played it and uh my two buddies did not like it for you know the obvious reasons why a lot of people bounce off this series they're just like this is too friggin hard I don't understand. Why am I dying? Story oldest time at this point, if you've talked to anybody who's experienced uh, this game or any of the the other Dark Souls games. games. Yeah, basically. I secretly liked it quite a bit. I remember that first time I was playing it, so I had to... I I waited until they left. We we played some some other games uh, while they were visiting. And man, like, this game was such a breath of fresh air... Uh, not only just like action games, but RPGs as well. Like Demon Souls, just like from the the level design to the the action based fighting system, you know, with the stamina bar and like having to be tactical and resourceful and not being too aggressive or not being in too big of a hurry, just trying to take advantage of everything that you could. There was just something to the game that I was like, this is really special. And, you know, now we have, what, five, six games in the series at this point, basically. Yeah, for and sure. Obviously, it's it's spawned one of the most revered uh, modern franchises of our day. And, I mean, Demon's Souls started it all. Thank you, From Software. I appreciate you uh, for, for, you know, kind of taking a chance with this game. Because I don't think, you know... I think any game that they're going to design and then advertise as being very, very difficult, and it is going to kind of 
Well, especially in a timing game where everything's getting easier and easier, we're getting more and more checkpoints, everything's getting more streamlined, they just went the complete opposite direction. Yeah, they're just like, if you're not good enough to play our game, we don't care. That's pretty ballsy. It's really ballsy at that point. Because, Anymore, yeah, it, like to get your uh, to get your gamer card, you have to, you know, play the Souls series or be the Souls game or whatnot. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, in those days, I'm sure you remember every game that we booted up. It always felt like there was like a half hour tutorial. Oh, it was yeah. like ex- overly explaining the controls. And it was just brutal. And I remember playing Demon Souls. And I mean, the series is very it's complex. I mean, the controls aren't necessarily complex, but the systems, the you know, the different types of equipment, uh, those kind of things, they don't explain the game to you at all. They just no. throw you in, and you have to figure it out. And a lot of that is just bashing your head up against like the first few enemies and trying to figure out how the game wants you to play it. That's That's usually the first puzzle piece that most people have to figure out. They think that they need to play to the game's according to the game's rules, which experienced players know that that's not the case. You can play it however you want once you understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the beauties of it. I, I find the Soul series to be almost infinitely replayable, and that's one of the reasons. I dare say this is what I always wanted my 3D Castlevania games to be. This yeah, is almost can... a perfect representation of what I saw in my head. Well, like you said, it's just a totally different experience based on how you want to you want to build your character like I prefer a lot of times to go the the like super buff tanky sword and board build to be able to, to block stuff and attack back easier. You can do it where you like parrying or just a, a super fast character that's gonna be able to assassinate people or go with a straight mage. Like there's so many different ways you can play. Yeah, and that that's a that's a huge beauty of the game and the game kind of like pushes you to use a shield and be kind of a melee fighter, but you, you don't have to do that. And a lot of people tend to find the games more fun if you, if you don't go that direction. And I agree with that now too, after I've, I've played so many in the franchise. Demon Souls, I'll say, I didn't realize it the first time I was playing through it. I picked, I picked a wonder because I love Veroni Kenshin. He's a wonder. So I was like, I gotta be a wonder. It's gonna be awesome. That didn't work out so well for my first playthrough. But that game's kind of busted if you're a mage. Oh yeah, no, that's that's easily where uh, yeah, magic was the most overpowered by far. Even though it's pretty overpowered in every one of the games. Oh, um, I mean, they fixed it in in some of them. I feel like the first like Dark Souls is kind of overpowered. Dark Souls Two, it's definitely not as overpowered. Uh, it's not as easily broken, but you know, like once you get a lot of the later spells, it definitely can be. Three, it was really underpowered until you got into the later stages. You had to earn it. Three, I like doing the uh, more mobile builds in three because I feel like the game's just faster for pace in general. It didn't. It kind of screwed me over with my tanky build, to be honest. No, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, everything's a little bit more aggressive and faster. But uh, back to Demon Souls, like I, I think a lot of people like when a, when people think about the series, they almost always go back to Dark Souls, which was the follow up to this one. But what what they don't realize is like Demon Souls set the foundation for everything. You know the the leveling system, the equipment, how you have to pay attention to stats and character builds, the magic system, 
a lot of the level designs, even though Demon Souls is split up into individual levels, and it's a lot like Mega Man, where you pick which levels you want to do from a central hub. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the biggest difference between Dark Souls and Demon Souls is just the level select. Yes, that's something that didn't carry over, but I think that was for the the benefit of the series, because I do like the... They're, they're, it's not necessarily open world. That's one thing I like about the Dark Souls series. It's <laughs> it's a big old world, but it's a lot more it's linear. <laughs> You're kind of funneled into a couple of different directions. Occasionally there's branches. But... Well, you also, too, you when you get far enough into like a, a set path, you generally unlock a shortcut so you can kind of get back to the hub area or the beginning of the set level a lot easier. Yeah, uh, a clever design choice that, you know, they also had in Demon Souls where it actually had very, you know, very elaborate levels, very very large set pieces overall and uh in Demon Souls if you died at any point in the level, you had to start it over. There was no like checkpoint bonfires or anything like that. You had to start at the beginning of the level. And if you didn't find some of those shortcuts, those boss runs were kind of brutal. Much more unforgiving than uh, even the more recent games. Well, Demon's Souls, at least when I played it, and it might have just been because of my skill level at the time, it got easier as I played it, I felt like. Well, that's true of all the entire series, don't you think? <sighs> I mean, I... Just the beginning, like, I had a ridiculous amount of trouble with the very first level in Demon's Souls, and once I got past that one, like, the rest of the game wasn't as hard. I've definitely gotten to places in the other series where, like, whether it's the Iron Keep, or it's the frickin' Shrine of Amana in the second one, where, like, I will get stuck for a long frickin' time and get super frustrated. Whereas, I felt like Demon's Souls was kind of a curve that just kept getting easier. I could be just way off with that one too. Well, no, I, I, I know. I, I think I think you're correct. Well, the mage is definitely the easiest way to play it, but uh, I, I think one of the things is due to the ability to kind of approach any of the levels uh, any way you wanted. Even though I think there was definitely ones that were meant to be played earlier or later, and you were supposed to go between the worlds because they did get harder. I, I think because they wanted that kind of choice to the character they they made the levels not quite as incrementally difficult so once you got the understanding of the game and you powered up a little bit the rest of it did just kind of naturally become a little bit easier um i don't disagree with you there but uh, i i think i i think demon still still for me might be the most difficult game in the series i don't know why it may be because i've just played it a lot less than the others and but it was I, the first one you played Yes, but I'm just even talking to like repeated playthroughs. I find it to be the most challenging. Like I don't find the other ones too particularly difficult now. But then again, I've played through them all like probably four or five times. So, yeah. so that's that's rough. But uh, there were a couple of things that Demon Souls did um, that you know did not make it into the rest of the series, and I think that that's probably for for the better. I'll start off and say there are a couple of things that I don't like too. Like there are parts in Demon's Souls that I don't think are that well designed. I think they feel a little cheap, but I think that goes through some of the other rest of the series too, (laughs) but I thought it was more prevalent there. Uh, Some of the bosses aren't particularly well designed. I think some of them are like too big for their own good, 
and it's difficult to understand like how to fight them or some of them are just like weird puzzle bosses that don't really take any combat prowess you just have to figure it out and hit a couple switches some of those are a little bit of a letdown but the one major thing that i didn't like about the online system that the soul series has which everybody knows is is pretty original where you can you know have people invade or invade other people's games and try to kill them you know while they're trying to get through levels things like that or you can also help them you know defeat bosses stuff like that it's a very cool multiplayer system not good for co-op mode but cool in its own right. Uh, Demon's Souls had this thing called the World Tendency System, which would change the world around you based upon how often you were dying or how good at the game you were. Like, if you killed bosses without dying, you'd get uh, you'd get closer to like a white world tendency, and if you died, you'd go get closer to a black world tendency. And these unlocked different events and access to different items throughout each level based upon how you were doing. And I found these very frustrating the, one of the biggest reasons was if you're online, uh, world tendency is kind of like averaged out with everybody who's who's been playing. So you almost never get to these pure white and pure dark world tendencies based upon your actions. Uh, so that can be difficult to like get items that you want if you know where they are, but you have to get like this certain level of that. And if you went off offline, you could you could earn it by either doing very well or just killing yourself over and over again to to earn the ones you wanted. I didn't think it was a very um, elegant system, but I thought it was interesting. It but seems like something that sounds better on paper than the actual execution. Yeah, it it added a bit of like mystery to the game, but once you know that it's there and you're like shooting for a particular build, some trying to earn those. Earn those items can be a little frustrating. But either that they should have done like if you're above fifty percent it's gonna be white. If you're below fifty percent it's gonna be black and kinda of put a world in, not like you have to be at this top five percent to get to the full, you know, black yeah. or white. That would have been nice. And if they if they remake the game, that would be good. If I feel like if they would make some adjustments there, that would be cool. Um but I mean it did have some cool events where like if you got to a certain level there would be like there would be extra enemies. There would be, you know, like NPCs that you'd get to fight and uh, things of that nature. Like there was some cool stuff to it, but uh, overall, I'm I'm glad it's not in the game at this point. Just a, a, a lot of a lot of cool foundations that it uh, that it laid for the whole series, and God, it's only gotten better since, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it certainly put the combat in motion that the series is known for. That's for sure. Yeah, and I'm glad that they got rid of, you know, when you die, you you only start with half health. That sucked. Yeah, I wish they would have <laughs> done that in 2. That also sucked. Well, 2, it was much more manageable. Because it was incremental. Yeah, but if you died a lot, you still ended up at half health, unless you got that one ring where you get 3 four health. That's true. Well, they they had that in Demon's Souls too, But, yeah, still brutal, especially for new <clears> players. What an experience, and, and definitely, like, if there's anybody out there who hasn't played the Soul series, which I feel like everyone at this point has been tortured into playing it at some point, <laughs> um, whether you enjoy it or not, I think we, we have at least one friend who just, like, doesn't like them. Yes. Just, just can't figure it out, which... You just have to go in with the right frame of mind, I feel like. Like, you have oh. to know what you're getting into, and then just embrace it. Well, that, and if you get to a point where you're frustrated, put the game down. Yeah. Come back later. 
Like, I know our buddy Cube just platinum the original Dark Souls, so I don't know how you do that, but hats off, buddy. Uh, that's just a lot of grinding and replaying through the game again and getting all the equipment. That's the hardest part. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah, you gotta beat the game like three or four times on like the same character. I just not can't necess- do that. Yeah, not like, necessarily. Yeah, it's well, he you know he can. Yeah, he's. Oh, that's his jam. Yeah, <laughs> I have to get a new experience. I can't just keep going through with the exact same, just back to back too, just cranking it out. Yeah, no thanks. All right, well, I guess I'll move on to my last one for the day. Sweet, what you got? And it's actually it's one that that you uh, kind of told me about. I didn't realize it was a thing. Okay. It's, uh, it's current gen, so it's uh, it's on PS4. I think it also came out for the Vita, of all things, which I don't have, so don't have it there. Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, of all games. Ah, yes. Ah, so yes. If anyone doesn't know what this game is, it's uh, Final Fantasy X meets Digimon, basically. And I've never been, like, a huge Digimon guy. I'm sure, like, the rest of the world, like, I watched... Definitely watched several episodes of the original series. I haven't seen anything after that. I don't know if you have really either. I bet oh, no, you probably no. not. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch a ton outside of like the first season, maybe yeah, two seasons of it. Yeah, the first show where they had like Agumon, Gabumon, little uh dinosaur looking guy. Agumon, the little I don't even know what he oh, was. Oh, he's oh he's the freaking char. He's the Charmander. Yeah, he's the oh. he's the Charmander, and the little guy turned into like the wolf with George that I always thought was cool. The Gabumon guy. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah, they had a. I liked the designs. I thought it was actually a pretty decent show. But this game is yeah Digimon meets Final Fantasy X, which I freaking adore. Final Fantasy X and still has maybe my favorite combat system in the Final Fantasy game. Uh, there's a lot of strategy you can go into. You can switch members in and out, and this is that's combined with Digimon. And there's like, I don't know. I feel like it's gotten as crazy as Pokemon. Like there's 500 or something Digimon by this point in time. And I guess the cool thing about Digimon kind of versus Pokemon is there's a lot of branching past each of the characters. Like I guess for example, like we'll go with the the Gabumon that can. Like evolve or digivolve into the the where Gabumon or whatever I don't remember their names where Garurumon like the guy with jorts like he can go into like a metal version of the wolf with jorts or there's turn into metal John Cena metal John Cena <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet he's he's not that overpowered you you can see him yeah so. fair enough <laughs> but. I just had a ridiculous amount of fun with this game and just trying to explore like new builds first. I just kind of wanted to get a couple guys I recognized like from the show way back in the day. And then I started diving deeper and actually leveled up quite a few freaking characters because they have their own, like I basically Wikipedia their version of like a, a King Metal Slime from Dragon Quest where you can get super quick level ups and, and evolve people and Find a lot of branching paths, because, I mean, the story itself isn't going to blow anybody's socks off. Like, it's not terrible. It's about hackers and the internet and saving the world, all that good stuff. I think somebody's in a coma. Some girl's in a coma. You're a Japanese kid. Like, it's a whole thing. Some girl's in a coma. We're trying to save her, but I don't remember her name. <laughs> I don't remember her name, and 
we're just getting more Digimon jorts, and it's freaking cool. I really liked the uh, the graphics aren't like mind blowing, but no, it but was they're a, stylized and they do yeah. Digimon justice. Yeah, for sure. It's got that kind of like in battle. It's got that kind of like Mega Man Battle Network kind of vibe to the to the and battle. All the scenes. all the characters, the Godzillion Digimon, all have at least like a signature attack, which is cool too. So they had to put a lot of work into this game. Arguably the best Digimon game that's come out in a long time. There's been a lot of them coming out recently. But... Which I didn't know, really know either. I know you got one of them that totally sucked. Oh my god, that, it was. that game is awful. I, I was going through my games today and I saw it, and no, I don't remember. But ugh, I wish I did so people that's wouldn't what it buy was. it. I saw that terrible game and I asked you because you said you got it. And I was like, I'm thinking about getting like a Digimon game. Is that one cool? Like yeah, I bought, I bought it off a buddy who uh, I probably shouldn't be friends with anymore because he sold it <laughs> to me. He, in, in his defense, he told me it was trash, but I was like, oh, I think it looks cool. It's like Digimon World something, I don't know. No, yeah, maybe, but I, like literally every 15 minutes, your Digimon shit their pants and you have to clean up after them. It's so <laughs> dumb. It's like a real like Tamagotchi. <laughs> no, it's so dumb. But this, this game was out, and was, you're like, yeah, that's, that's Digimon meets Final Fantasy X. I was like, yeah, yeah, right. Sure it is. You're like, no, seriously. And I looked up a bunch of reviews. I was like, Jesus, it is. Yeah, I, I, think, get this I, game. I think the, the next time I came to your house, you made me play it. But yeah, because I got it because the whole thing, it was on sale in one of those PSN sales for like seven bucks or something is why we've been talking about it. I was like, okay, gosh, try it out. And yeah. Yeah. Does that game like just like let you catch like any Digimon that you run into, or do you get them like throughout the story, or how's that work? I gotta freaking think on that. <laughs> or do you like think get eggs and you hatch Digimon? If you, if I remember right, like every time you defeat them in battle, you gain like three, kind of like Pokemon Go. I think it's how it works. You gain like three basically candies of them type thing, and if you have like you know, 15 of this one dude, you can get his starter form, and then you just follow uh, down the line of the path you want to go. Oh, okay. Okay. That's how I'm thinking it worked, but now that you mention it, I should really need to... I have the second one, too, that I want to... I want to play fairly soon, but after I, I beat the first, I did, like, a ton of grinding, and, like, basically um, unlocked what would be, like, the Pokemon version of, like, the Mythic rare people or whatever, like the the legendaries, and it sure. took a lot of grinding, and I kind of burned myself out on the game, so I haven't played the second one yet. Oh, well, it'll be there. It's supposed to be pretty good, too. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably just be. more of the same. Yeah, I would imagine it's more of the same with a few new people, which is why I'm giving it quite a little break can, before can I Can you transfer anything over? Hopefully. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be nice. Cause I beat that one, and it was, it was like a full-on like forty-plus-hour game. So it wasn't like a just a quick cash grab. I was shocked at the quality of the game for something that I had like no expectation. Spent a few bucks going into. It became one of my favorite PS4 games, which is saying something. You're welcome. We actually had a lot of like current-gen stuff almost on this episode. It's kind of uh, weird. Yeah, almost, or at least. References to modern. I had two current gen games on these five. 
Yeah, congratulations. I had Do you none. have any? Or just get Dark Demon Souls as your closest? Yeah, only if Demon Souls gets remastered. Well, like like the leaks are saying that it might, yeah. It's the, the heavily rumored. Yeah, but... based on one tweet, they're remaking seven games. <laughs> so... <laughs> like... <clears throat> To be fair, like two weeks ago, I saw Blue Point was remaking Demon Souls. It was supposedly leaked. That's been a couple weeks ago. I didn't see any of those other games mentioned in there. But right, well, I, that one's been rumored for so long; it's almost got to be true at this point. Yeah. Yeah, the other ones, like oh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, no, no way. <laughs> the other ones, they're just trolling. Probably. I don't likely. think there's enough interest Legend in Dragoon? Legend of Dragoon to get remade. I don't know what you're talking about. You know we'd buy it. Yeah, we'd be there day one with Dart and Lavitz and company, but I don't how many other people would be. Hopefully everybody. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, we certainly will. Yeah, we'll keep you guys posted on that news. Yeah, so good games there for sure. Yeah, as per normal. Uh, they say we, we made it to... Make it to 75 or a quarter of the way through, guys. Yep, we made it to, I guess, 76 technically, right? 75 will kick off mm. the next one. Is that right? I think. Yeah, numbers are hard. Yeah, that's true. You got it. So, Buck, where can they find us? We are uh, on Twitter. We are at Gaming. Like Chuck said, just uh, love if you interact there with us. Give us some feedback. Give us a shout-out, whatever it may be. And we're also on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. We'd always appreciate reviews, listens, all that good stuff. And really, that's about it, guys. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to anything else. Long time, uh, really, that's about it. <laughs> that is about it. Uh, we're not that hard to find. Um, and if you've already found the podcast, you know, share it with your friends. Let them know. If they like video games, they're bound to enjoy the conversation and uh, hang out with us while we're counting down and covering any other topics that we might uh, <coughs> might want to converse about for a few hours. And as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. You've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs>